The summer of 96 and into 97 was magical. But what's more magical are the friendships we make along the way. <laughs> it's the second part of the Montreal Screwjob here okay. on Nothing Good. Welcome back. Uh, we're here to continue part two of the Montreal Screwjob. I did not expect us to have a part two of anything this early, but this subject surprisingly has gone long. Shame on us for not realizing that just simply dipping our toes into the water. Because we really only dipped our toes. Of 1996 into 1997 would make us go, well, fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> we got hours of content here. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. How you doing today? Doing real good. Welcome back. Yeah, good yeah. To see you. How are you, sir? I, you know, I'm really fired up to, to really dig into this, and I'm, I'm excited about you know digging deeper and getting to the actual end game of all this. Uh, which is the night that my innocence was lost. Yes, and um, we're not just talking about that seedy motel room uh, that one night. We're talking about, of course, about Montreal, November 9th, 1997. Yeah. The Survivor Series, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, Vince McMahon. Whose idea was it? We're going to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, for it's sure. It's going to be going. So, so why don't we just pick up right where we left off? Yes. Shawn Michaels defeats The Undertaker. And is now on a collision course. It will be Shawn Michaels versus Bret Hart for the WWF Championship yes. at Survivor Series in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Oh, Big time. Now let's take a minute mm -hmm. to talk about the personal animosity. <laughs> take a minute. Who as the much fuck as do we you can. think you are? That <laughs> Hold the fuck. Did you just say, wait the fuck on? <laughs> Did you like how I just basically patty cake that way over to you? We put I put all this gravitas like Wait no. a minute. Earlier in the show, I'm like, now this one thing that isn't the thing we're talking about. Is this the greatest thing ever? And meanwhile, the whole point of what we're talking about is let's talk about that. No big deal, right? Yeah, he fuck says, you. Okay. Listen, Mr. Brown, look, look man. <clears throat> First of all, again, who the fuck do you think you are? <laughs> To then proceed to tell me, look, folks, there is no, let's take a minute <laughs> and talk about the backstory of why these guys hate each other's guts. With all of their hearts. I'll see if I can do that in 60 goddamn seconds. <laughs> but in all seriousness, um, you know, dude, it's a tall ask, right? Because oh, yeah. Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels were good friends at one point, yeah. according to both of them. Uh, some time ago, many, many moons ago, back in the early 90s, late 80s, maybe. Um, but the thing about wrestling, and I will uh, defer this to, you know, some other smarter people who've been in the business, but I've heard people say, you know, it's the most insecure business in the world. It is. Um, Bret Hart got the nod before Sean. Yeah. Bret Hart did things before Sean did. But there was a time, according to what both have mentioned in books, interviews, both separate and together, you know, Sean would look at Brett and say, well, you know, Brett's paving the way for guys our size. Because 
before Brett's time as heavyweight champion, the heavyweight champions were men much larger than him, much taller than him. If you weren't 6'3", 6'4", at least, and 250 pounds, at least. At least. You weren't the champion. Right. And, uh, you know, not that there's anything wrong with that, but things changed. The steroid scandal changed everything. It did. And I'm not an expert on the subject. I'm not going to speak to it too much, but it seemingly changed a lot of things. And, and I think, you know... We can all agree Vince McMahon wanted to take a different direction. Yeah, he uh, had to. Enter Bret Hart, choice, yeah. who honestly was, was putting on better matches than the main events from guys that were twice his size anyhow. Mm-hmm. Bret Hart was putting on five-star matches where the main events were putting on two and a half. Yeah. Um, but anyhow, they were friends. They were cool. But things change. We all had friends. We thought we'd be friends with forever, and things change. Professional jealousy is real. And when there's big money involved, personal ego is involved, things change. And Brett and Sean went from buddies to, I mean, bitter enemies. They hated the, each other. The most bitter actual physical. Like, because you hear about people not having agreements, but I don't think we've ever heard, at least in the WWF, uh, a circumstance where two top talents legit got into multiple actual fist fights backstage over various bullshit. So this is where we start uh, shitting on Shawn Michaels a little bit. <laughs> oh, like, oh, we go on shitting on Shawn Michaels. And I say that again, respectfully, great, one of the greatest wrestlers I ever. I really, and I think who he is maybe now is a, a much different person than he was yeah. then. I don't know that for sure. I don't know him. But I, I didn't break bread with him. I don't really know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I'd like to believe he's a different person now. Uh, but... Shawn Michaels, even admittedly, was not a good person back then. Mm-mm. He had a lot of demons, a lot of personal demons that I know nothing about again. Only what I hear, what I read. I mean, he had some drug issues. He had some issues with just staying level. And yeah. it really affected things. And I think it affected his, obviously, his personal and professional relationships. You know, question is, if Shawn Michaels were, didn't have those issues then... What would have Montreal would never have happened? You know why? Because when Bret Hart said to him, "Hey man, I'm gonna put, I'll, I have no problem putting you over. I have zero problem, you know." And Sean shakes this man's hand and says, "That's cool. I won't do the same for you." Yeah. When, when Sh- and the best part about all this, you know, doing a little bit of research for this, being a st- student, air quotes of this subject, you know. When the Bret Hart Shawn Michaels interview with Jim Ross came out years ago, yeah. Bret versus Shawn, which I highly recommend. Absolutely, yeah. All the shit that Bret's saying, Shawn's not refuting. No, nope. none of it. He would he would dance around and go, "Well, you know, I was a different person. I, I, I don't really remember." He he did a lot of I don't remember that happening, but yeah. I'm not gonna say that it didn't, didn't happen. He was probably high out of his mind when it happened, and he didn't want to openly admit that he was that big of a shit bag. Yeah, I mean, uh, he, let's let's just cover our bases real fast. Yeah. Uh, by saying that we're both Bret Hart fans. Yeah. And that, and There's that a little bit of bias here. We, we both love what Shawn Michaels can do in a ring. Absolutely. But, it, but if you forced us to choose, it would not take more than a second and a half for us to both say Bret Hart. And then we're yeah. not, that's not to say we haven't got to Montreal yet. But as far as the bullshit drama camp from WrestleMania 12 with Shawn putting Brett over, uh, with Brett putting Shawn over. Right. And Shawn saying that he won't do the same thing. And then telling Brett. Uh, Earl Hebner to get for Brett to get the fuck out of his <laughs> ring. Yeah, and then he said it in front of Sean, and Sean didn't say he didn't do it. So that means he did it. Yes, 
And then for them to go through all of the thing where, where as we get closer and closer and Sean's babyface title run isn't as explosive as anyone had hoped. There's no difference between him and Bret Hart in that regard. Right. And then as we get closer to uh, WrestleMania 13 and it looks like he's going to have to do honors, he loses his smile. Mm-hmm. And that puts Bret, but Bret doesn't still get the title in the main event. Uh, but instead they make Austin and he... The hottest thing, and then Shawn Michaels suddenly regains his smile. His yeah, knee is miraculously, better, and he attaches himself right to, to Steve Austin into the summer of '97, and right into the main event, setting up into the first Hell in a Cell match. Which, again, regardless of whatever bullshit personally Shawn Michaels has, that match is fucking incredible and yes. deserves to be yes. lauded as such. And he deserves to be acknowledged as one of the greatest of all time. And now we're in an unavoidable train collision. Between Bret Hart, as hot as Bret Hart has ever been, mm-hmm. and Shawn Michaels, who, for uh, despite the fact that he's maybe, when you look at where he is on the card, right, mm-hmm. as, as, as maybe uh, in, in number, number one or number two heel, number one or number two babyface, right. he's been positioned better, but he's organically over right now, right? Like, yeah. like he is, like, the, the Generation X has started, and we are approaching Shawn Michaels' most prolific championship run, and that as a absolutely dire piece of shit heel because of what we're about to talk about. And now we're on a collision course with two people who legitimately do not like each other. And now here we are. So, (laughs) and now, now before we go, before we have to say, we have to say that let's set the stage just a smidge. Okay. It's early November, 1997 on the flip side. Of the, the, you have to keep in mind too. So, since the bash at the beach '96, WCW has been beating WWE in the ratings, yeah, pretty consistently. Monday night, ratings. the Monday night wars and the Monday night ratings are going pretty consistently to the point where right now we're in the middle of an 83 week stretch in which WCW, led by the NWO is beating the WWF. And despite what everything and Vince is changing, and wrestling in general, their ratings are all up across the board, but WCW is, is Crazy numbers up. compared to now. Oh my God, incredible numbers. And it would only get more ridiculous as mm-hmm. we go on here. And despite the rise of Austin 316 and the Bret Hart Canada-USA fervor and the rise of D-Generation X and The Undertaker really finally being given a chance to run without all these monster heels that he's yeah. just being bounced off of and it really getting really good shit 97 and wrestling is, so is, good. is incredible right uh we're still wcw's whooping ass and we are on the way to the starcade 97 which you cannot i think is indisputably the peak of wcw's run before they yeah. fucked it all up oh, which man. they did right at that event right? like literally shit yeah. on the bed of, of nwo hollywood hogan versus sting so they are in the middle of their full-on thing and, and Vince McMahon, despite all the amount of effort that he's putting into this and in the rising of his stars, he's not making enough money mm-hmm. to theoretically... No, let's go back right around WrestleMania 12 when mm-hmm. our story began. Bret Hart signs a new contract with the WWF worth... I don't have the numbers in front of me. I don't really care it about the numbers. Millions of dollars. Millions of dollars. Millions of dollars over a very long time. Yeah. And Vince realizes here at the end of the summer into the fall of 1997 that the way things are going, Vince doesn't ha- he doesn't think he can pay the rest no, of Brett's contract. He cannot contract. honor the contract. So he wants to restructure Brett's contract. 
And Brett says, well, you know, and, and Brett com- comes back with a different number and a different way to, to scale it. And Vin- it is Vince McMahon that tells Bret Hart. And Bret Hart still has some of this correspondence from WCW when his contract originally up. It is Vince McMahon that tells Bret Hart to contact WCW and see what he can get. Now, I, in my opinion, as a business mind, as a business mind here yeah. for Vince McMahon, yeah. I think Brett, Vince wants to hear what WCW thinks Brett is worth so he can decide what to pay Brett. What Brett is thought of, and when when Bischoff comes back with a number astronomically higher than Vince could possibly, even bigger than Vince Brett's current contract with him, Vince knows that he's outplayed himself in that regard. And so, on Vince McMahon's whim, when Brett does not want to do it, a week before this match, one week, eight days technically, I believe it is before the match. At Survivor Series, the Montreal uh, Survivor Series that we're talking about, Bret Hart signs a contract with Vince McMahon's blessing. Yeah, how about that? To go to WCW. Mm-hmm. The only problem is, Bret Hart is the reigning WWF champion. Now, months prior, the reigning women's champion at WWF, Alundra Blaze, goes to WCW and proceeds to throw the belt in the trash can as champion on live national TV. And the theory, the narrative here, is that despite have, giving Brett his blessing, Vince is worried about something similar yeah. happening. <clears throat> Which is an understandable fear. Yes, on WCW TV. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we have arrived to November 9th, 1997. The Survivor Series, live from Montreal, Quebec, Canada. And we're here. Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels for the WWF Championship. The reason why we're talking. So what I think the best way to kind of navigate where we are now, now yes. having arrived, yes. is to first set up what the problems were going into this. Then we can talk about what actually happened and then then start to dissect who did what and why and where. Okay? Mm-hmm. So the problem here going into is that Bret Hart signs a contract one week before this event with WCW, the rival promotion to the World Wrestling Federation at the time. And Bret Hart is the WWF champion. And the big problem that he has is, God damn it, he hates Shawn Michaels just so fucking much that uh, he doesn't want to lose the belt to Shawn Michaels in certain circumstances. Now, uh, Bret says uh, publicly to Vince, right, and we find out afterward, that he's fine with losing the belt in the United States right. the night after this show. He can lose it to somebody before the show ever begins. But right here now, this show happens to take place in the square dab heart in the middle of French Canada, who are ravenous Bret Hart fans. And damn it, he just doesn't he doesn't want to give Shawn Michaels that satisfaction to beating Bret in front of his home people. And this is after Shawn had said, I would not do the honors for you. Yes, yes. Shawn Michaels Look has, him dead has in the eye absolutely that said that he is he does not respect Bret Hart in that way and would not do that for him. Which so, is a big deal. So, in Bret Hart's opinion, he is completely justified in this, and he has Vince and Sean, frankly, over a barrel. 
I'm the WWF champion. And I was raised by a family of shooters. And as we say shooters and wrestling terms, it means people who can legitimately wrestle yeah. and, and, and fight and their way out. Of, yes, and, and, and Stu Hart, Bret Hart's dad, is an acclaimed shooter. So Bret thinks if they ever, like, what are you going to do to me? You know, I'm in a, I'm an actual fighter. Right. And, and, and pretending to in be. In a legit situation, he, he'd stretch the shit out of Sean. Absolutely. And, there, he, and, and, and Sean no, knows that, yes. obviously. But here, here's the other thing. I don't, I may have missed it. Creative control is a thing, man. In his yes. contract, le- legally, he has say. So, yes. So at this time, it is important to add the context that at this time in wrestling is when you really start the concept of guaranteed contracts. In order to keep a guy to work for your company for a certain period of time over certain uh, and, and to ensure loyalty, you guarantee them a certain amount of money and then some extra perks. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is largely not the way that business was done for Vince McMahon previously. I mean, uh, Ted Turner has always basically in WCW uh, kept people on a salary thing. That's what he shifted from Crockett when the NWA was Ric Flair territory into WCW. Everyone got put on a payroll. You got paid X amount per week over the course of the year. You didn't make any extra money in merchandise. This was your paycheck. Cut and dry, pay your taxes, call it a day. Right. Vince McMahon always paid you based on what the houses were, what, what, what the live attendance was, the pay-per-view buy rates, what your merchandise check was. So Vince McMahon guaranteed you very little. What $1,500 is the infamous time right mm-hmm. $1,500 a year not a paycheck a year but he gave you quote-unquote opportunity mm-hmm. but now in the era of the NWO and Hulk Hogan going to WCW money, and Kevin Nash and Scott Hall guaranteed money became a whole thing and people started renegotiating their deals Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart were amongst those and one of the things that Bret got to sweeten the pot was the ability in Bret Hart to his, some would call it a positive and some would call it a detriment, really takes Bret Hart really serious. And he takes the character of Bret yes. Hart. And this is gonna, and this is kind of an overarching slight theme into the story uh, to the point where uh, Scott Hall would infamously call Bret Hart the $400,000 champion. That Bret Hart would be fine not making a million dollars a year and being paid less than everybody else if Bret Hart could be champion and was positioned as the dude. Um, he, and I'm sure he would. Yes, and and that, <laughs> and and so, so so that has to come in too. Is that part of the deal that Vince gave to Bret over this massive contract that Vince now realizes he can't pay? Right, is to give Bret say over what happens to Bret, which is really worth more to Bret than money, right? So here we are, and Brett is using this, having Vince in a tough position. Where Some serious leverage. He's leaving soon, real soon. Mm-hmm. And the only guaranteed date that, and he knows because of Brett's pedigree, that Brett won't no-show anything. But the only guaranteed date that he has for Brett, and this has been promoted for a month, is this match at Survivor Series in Montreal with Shawn Michaels. And Brett says, well, I'm just not going to do it there. Yeah, he just flat out says I'm not doing it. So he he flat out refuses to to do business in that regard. Now, we will get into all of the nuances about right, wrong, business, what's 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 right for everything, all of that in a second. But Brett says I won't lose to Shawn Michaels in Canada. Uh, I'll lose to him the next night in the United States. I'll lose to to somebody else. Steve Austin. Steve Austin. Austin. Yeah. He he threw out Steve Austin in there who wasn't medically cleared at that time mm-hmm. for for. We'll go into that on another time. We've glossed over that mm, neck injury at another time. Yeah, but yeah. 
I just won't lose two Shawn Michaels in Canada. And and Vince says, we'll work something out. Well, the day of comes. And going into this match, it is understood by Bret Hart. Now, let's take Bret Hart's perspective for this until, until we get after the events. Mm-hmm. That this match is going to end in a disqualification. Uh, and how this match will end is that Shawn Michaels will put Bret Hart in the sharpshooter. Mm-hmm. Bret Hart will reverse the sharpshooter, in which case D-Generation X, Shawn, Triple H, will hit the ring. Right. And then the Hart Foundation will hit the ring afterward. A massive melee will ensue, and the referee will throw the match out, ruining this match uh, disqualification. Right. Uh, and really, when you think about it in a kayfabe or not, in hindsight being 2020, what is about to happen never happens. That's a great way to leave money still out there. Mm-hmm. To grab on the table. If Brett, if WCW doesn't work out for Brett, and afterward he comes back, Shawn Michaels continues to do the thing, they can use that as a way. Well, we have unfinished business, and they can do business. That actually would have been pretty awesome. been amazing, right? Yeah. Uh, that's how Brett thinks the match is going to go. Well. <laughs> yeah. Well, in truest fashion of pro wrestler, uh, life is stranger than fiction mm-hmm. sometimes, right? Uh the match happens. The main event of Survivor Series 1997, November 9th. Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels go uh, out to the ring and they have this match. Now, it cannot be understated that there is a term in wrestling that when two guys go out to the match and they start and they feel each other out for a little bit. And that's a standard wrestling match. They tie up. Mm-hmm. They, they, they exchange holds. They one up each other a little bit. That's how a standard wrestling match starts. But Typically, yes. <laughs> but there's a term in wrestling for starting a match hot, which means that as soon as the minute both guys are within arm's reach of each other, they start working, mm-hmm. which would become kind of a hallmark of the wrestling that would happen afterward. Right. To say that this match starts hot is an understatement. It started of scorching, a, man. It is the hottest start to any match Ever. And I say that with all respect to the Austin Rock stuff that would happen afterward, right? And all the ass kicking that would happen. There was legitimate hate in every step and every swing that these two guys took. And they beat the shit out of each other all over. Mostly Brett beating the shit out of Sean all over the Molson Center in, yeah. in Quebec. It was a very physical match. And they beat each other all over it to the point where the, the match is only in the ring a few minutes before it happens. Mm. So why don't you tell us what happens? As I hand the ball off to you. Uh, so, <clears throat> as Mr. Brown mentioned, the finish, the end of the match, is supposed to be sharpshooter, Brett reverses, and we have a schmoz, uh, you know, double DQ, whatever you want to call it. Everybody kind of runs down. Shitstorm. Bad things happen. So, yeah. <clears throat> instead of that, what actually happened on live on pay-per-view for millions live. of people to watch. For people to watch and you can still re-watch it to this day. That's, a, that's the damnedest thing. The finish goes on as planned initially. Uh, Sean puts Brett in the sharpshooter. Brett's, his own move. His his own submission hole, which is uh, just an absolute hallmark of Bret Hart wrestling. Mm-hmm. And the referee, Earl Hebner, who had earlier in the day sworn on, I think, his children, I believe... His his whole family. It doesn't really matter. His bloodline. Yeah. That he wouldn't make sure everything he you know would, everything would be down the middle. No no shenanigans. No chicanery. None of that. Uh, t- 
to Brett's face, and Brett had known Earl for a long time. Earl had been around the WWF, WWE for many years. Since Brett came in? So they had history and friendship. So Brett believed Earl, mistake number one. Mistake number three, probably, actually. <laughs> On a long list of long mistakes. Long list made of mistakes. That's day. probably mistake number three uh, for that day. Um, and Earl, once Brett was locked in his own move by Shawn Michaels, live on pay-per-view, called for the fucking bell. uh, Insinuating that Brett had tapped out, submitted to his own move, live on TV. This was not the finish, folks. This is not what they agreed upon. No. There have been few moments, and it's highly... Oh, oh, Brett, Vince had already come down the ringside at this point. Yes. So, at some point during the scrum that happens all around the ring, Vince McMahon comes down to ringside. Uh, And... When Shawn Michaels locks Bret Hart in the sharpshooter and Earl Hebner calls for the bell, Vince is there to make sure mm-hmm. that the timekeeper who rings the bell at wrestling events uh, definitely does his job. If the boss of the whole company is barking at you to do your job, you're going to do it. it well, you're going to do it. You're going to do it real fast. He's making sure you got an, um, insurance and benefits for your wife and kids. Yeah, you're going to do it. Oh, he's going he's gonna to do it real fast. So... Yes. So, live on pay-per-view, what was a scripted ending with all parties involved, understanding what was going to happen, does not go as planned. At all. At all. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it appears to the layperson, for a moment, that Shawn Michaels has made Bret Hart give up to his own (laughs) move. For about 30 seconds. For about less than that. And, And you're going, what's going on? And then it becomes quickly apparent. And what... and. Dear single singular listener, thank you by yes, the way for by listening. The way, thank you so fuck you, but I mean that with love. Uh, it is something to behold because what happens then is the collective concept of not only everybody in the Molson Center in Montreal, Quebec, and everybody involved in this realizing what is <laughs> happening, but you as the viewer realize yeah. you get, because up until that very moment, even if you know what's going to happen now, I have watched this match a bunch of times, and I know what happens every time. But up until I see Shawn Michaels go to the sharpshooter, I am into the match because mm-hmm. it's excellent. It's an excellent match. It's, yeah, it's so really good. good. Yeah. So much fervor. But it is the idea that everybody in the world gets dialed in. Mm-hmm. In one second, to realizing that something is fucked, yeah, right then and there. And what proceeds to happen is an unbelievable shit show that you cannot replicate. It, it and despite as we'll discuss here before we go, a thousand people trying to replicate this. Uh, Shawn Michaels decides to act like he doesn't know what's happening. Right. The referees <coughs> hand him the bell, the belt. Excuse me, the WWE Championship title. Uh, he stomps off. As and, if he's very frustrated. As if he's very mad. But not before turning at the end of the aisle to make it look like he's very glad that he's won the WWE Championship, which should have been anyone's first indicator. But that Bret Hart stays in the oh, ring. Oh, Earl Hebner runs right out the door. I mean, he was he, the moment he called for it, he, he booked it. He's gone. He's gone. He's gone. They give he's, he's out. He's in the car, and he's already gone before most of this happens. And so it leaves Bret Hart standing alone, sitting alone in the ring, with making eye contact with Vince McMahon. And as as we will get into this here in a second, 
you can say a lot of shitty things about Vince McMahon. You can say a lot of good things, but you can also say a lot of shitty things about Vince McMahon. I can. But Vince McMahon didn't have to stand there Mm-mm. and look Brett in the eye. He needed to. Yeah, and 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 for it to be a thing, right? And it's almost like like it's so many of those things. Like when when, when uh, he can have the dagger in the back, which hurts, but it's the dagger in the front that means more, right? And so having that be there. Vince McMahon uh, staring at Bret Hart as Bret puts together what just happened. Dude, you imagine that moment in life? Oh my God! Look, I've been through some shit moments in my existence, as <laughs> most people, most human beings have, bad situations. Thankfully, I have never been in a moment like that in my life. No, where I realize everyone around me has pretty much fucked me pretty good, and I and there's nothing you can do about it. But be pissed. It's so interesting because in a business that it is drama, and they they work to create these moments of drama. Mm-hmm. Here is honest Shakespearean betrayal. It's true betrayal. True betrayal. They're like, like a they like a father son relationship. Those two that happens live on pay per view. Mm-hmm. In front of not only the world to see, but there are members of both people's families in the building. Friends of both. Employees of one. Best, long-time co-workers. Everyone in there. And then then they happen to be surrounded by 17,000 spectators. Not counting the millions of people watching on pay-per-view. For real-life betrayal to actually happen in front. Um, What happens after that is... Right then and there is awesome, but it, it, I mean it's somewhat pales in comparison to the actual the having the unmitigated balls to do it right. right. Um, Brett, talk, we talked earlier about mega loogies, all time greatest Ooh, loogies. There was another Canadian loogie flying. right there, flies even Ooh. further distance. Dude, it let it right on Vince's fucking face. I feel like he like it's almost like Brett somewhere did he like spend years? You know, like you see those movies where Steven Seagal is a special forces. He's been living in the woods for years <laughs> trying to become the deadliest weapon, but he doesn't want to use his skills for evil, only for good. And I just picture Bret Hart Look, wearing a denim uh, jacket and jeans and just spitting at a target in the woods. I don't know how many <laughs> loogies you've spat in your day. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, it, look, real, real talk. If you're really angry at somebody... And I mean, and I mean like, rage. Rage, right? yeah. And you're looking at them, and you want to spit on them, you will fire a goddamn missile at them. <laughs> and you will not a miss. spit cannon. <laughs> you will not miss. And Brett did not miss. Oh, he did not miss. And it was, uh, I would say, that even more so than the one we mentioned earlier, it's the most important Luki in wrestling history. And they got it on camera. <laughs> yeah. Which I will uh, which we, we will talk about in a little bit. But for the last few minutes, the jig is up. Once yeah. all that happens. Yeah. Brett's smashing monitors. He's uh, the, the announcers before this happens leave. Mm-hmm. Jim Ross is gone. Jerry Lawler is gone. Uh so the 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 pay-per-view stays on the air with no voices to guide the viewer and right. everyone's just watching and Bret Hart spits on Vince McMahon mm-hmm. Vince McMahon walks away uh, 
to Brett's credit, he doesn't punch him out on live television. He should have, but that had been on TV, and, so. Yeah, and then he proceeds to destroy the set while Brett's family comes down and stands around like, I don't know what the fuck just happened. Yeah. And they're trying to console this rageful... But, I mean, then again, too, uh, uh, imagine you have a friend who loves some girl or boy, somebody. They love somebody. Yeah, yeah. And then you're standing next to this... You're watching as this friend goes out there... And somebody else that's not your friend just brutally fucks this person that Jesus. they love. Okay. Okay? <clears throat> like, full-on cucking. There. What can you really do for your friend? You just, you gotta stand there and pat him on the back You're and like, say, like, oh, hey, God damn, dude, okay. that sucks. Oh, man. Oh, man. That guy's an asshole. Uh, you can't do anything. You couldn't stop it. It's already finished. Right? Right. But that's what, when I look at Bre- uh, Owen and British Bulldog, I'm just like, oh, man. Somebody just brutal fucked Bret Hart's girl right in front right in front of them and they're like, Oh man, that's weak. <clears throat> like what right. do you say to that? But that's and right. so the show goes off the air mm-hmm. on pay-per-view with Brett putting yeah. making the the, uh, the sign yeah. for WCW. Yep. Um, <laughs> so that worked out well for him. Jesus. Yeah, what, that happened in my notes. We should do a whole show about the fu- the fuck up that was Bret Hart's I, WCW I, experience. I, I, I I intentionally put it in my notes, and I I don't really have very many notes here, folks. But I intentionally put it in my notes as WCW fuddles Bret Hart Dude, so badly. But <laughs> Dude, I swear to God, we could talk about like four months of it and spend three hours on that shit. Do you and I? The, do you remember the first fight we ever had as friends? No. The first fight we ever had, like argument, was uh. over whether Bret Hart's WCW theme was any good or not. Deep down inside, that's what I was fucking thinking. <laughs> but I'm like, that couldn't have been it. That was it. That was the first that fight we ever had. You said it was terrible. And I now know that it was fucking terrible. It was not a good but song. But at that time uh-huh. in my life, anything that was, had Bret Hart's name on it, I was going to recreate this. Dum 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 wow 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 like I'm like yeah. what oh, is this what crap? the fuck is this this yeah. is awful this is Jimmy Hart trying to send yeah, up you know what theme. folks he's right that shit sucked and he was like no it's not that bad I'm like you're a goddamn liar <laughs> yeah. I believe you call me you're a fucking piece of shit now the like, second song was a lot more bad way better yeah. And yeah. they should have started with that shit. It's like no. they, it was like they were setting them up the fucking veil. Anyhow, oh, well, that's another conversation. Yes. So, yeah, 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 yeah. So that's what happened, folks. That's what happened on the. Fa- that's the reason why we're having now. It for you if you have made it all the way this far and you have never seen wrestling, and you, <laughs> I don't know and the you fuck didn't you're know what this was. First of all, good job. <laughs> like, I'm not I, even gonna say fuck you. Good job. I applaud you for staying with us for. Like two hours and change. Yes, on but, a subject you know nothing about, but, but now actually know you you know a lot about now. Yeah, I mean now yeah we've really? set up context for you, but now let's uh, let's break down the actual meat and potatoes. This is why we're mm-hmm. here, because there has been a lot of talk. So in wrestling, as we say, when when a good thing happens, people usually jump to be the one to say, "Hey, that was me." Right, yeah. Turning Hulk Hogan heel to join the NWO, Bischoff says that was him. Kevin yeah. Sullivan says it was him. Right. I, I mean, I'm sure Dusty Rhodes even probably said, "Yeah, that was my bad." That was baby. me, baby. Yeah. yeah, with me, I said Hulk Hogan. <laughs> you got to be a heel, baby. He's not a bicycle. And I, I yeah. just want to say, like, I'm not one to speak ill of the dead, unless they really deserve it. 
when we when we impersonate Dusty Rhodes, it is I swear to God, such out of reverence, yes, and appreciation for what he has done. So Nithin. there there may be people go, what the fuck, man? No, 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 dude. No, I got Nithin. so much love for Dusty Rhodes. You have no idea. You but don't know me. They're the thing so, here. You yeah. know, like. Back the fuck up. Huh? The, yes. So I, I just have to keep on saying here. If, there, there is a special place, if you will. If you will. For uh, for the American dream. Yeah, and I also, fun side story about Dusty Rhodes. Uh, he blew us off at, my, at the World War 2006. Do you remember that? Do you not remember? He blew us off in, in 2006. Fuck, fuck, fuck. We were all standing... Uh, I do! We were at the Royal Rumble in 2006, uh, the one where Rey Mysterio won, and we were waiting at the exit to come out. Now, we were the, one of the only people who realized, because uh, we'd never been to Miami before, yeah. that this is where people came out at the Miami American Airlines Arena. And Good show. It was a great show. And people come out, and Dusty, and a bunch of people came out, and we're like, yelling to them, and we looked, and there's clearly Dusty Rhodes. And we're like, oh shit! Yeah, and we started yelling, "Dream!" It's kind dream, of a big deal, "Dream!" And he just he he gave us like a like like not even a, a half wave, like an eighth of a wave, and he kept on going. Listen, my man had signed more autographs than he will ever need to sign. No, you know, so him give me a wave. I mean, I would have liked him to come up and say, "Hey, what's up, guys?" But I will take you, him acknowledging our existence. Yes. Do you remember who stopped for us though? Lashley, Bobby Lashley. Big as a goddamn house. Oh man, dude! There's I, a I, picture. That I still have that picture somewhere of you and, and your friend. And, and yes, standing uh, together. Yes, and, and next to Bobby Lashley, I have you stayed, small children next to him. I have stayed in hotel rooms smaller than Bobby Lashley. <laughs> I'll put you that. But it's but yeah, yeah, yeah. Regardless, uh, uh, yeah, reverence for Dusty. We'll we'll do a Dusty podcast sometime. But um, everybody. For some strange reason, if it's a good thing in wrestling, everyone will claim it's their their idea. But right. very usually, when a, when a, when a bad thing happens in wrestling, does anyone jump on to claim ownership of it? Except <laughs> the Montreal screw job. Because let's run down the list of everyone who says it was their idea: Jim Cornette, Vince Russo, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Vince McMahon. I mean. Maybe does Bruce Pritchard thinks it, think Bruce, it was Bruce Pritchard? I've, according to Late Night, I say this lovingly. I think everything Bruce Pritchard thinks everything was Bruce Pritchard's idea. Probably, probably right. But with, with respect, with respect. But regardless of what happened, is that at some point during the day, mm-hmm. after Bret Hart had locked down this being how things were going to go on, and he went to get ready and started to have these conversations with Earl Hebner, as you mentioned, and other people. Uh, Vince McMahon, Shawn Michaels, Triple H, and maybe some other people. Depending on Cornette, <laughs> maybe some other people. Maybe Cornette or Russo or whoever the truth is. I'm, yeah, yeah. Uh, decided that they could not have Bret Hart leave this building with the WWE. It's like a goddamn hit. Yes. <laughs> Whatever you, know? you do, he doesn't walk out of here. He ain't walking out with, with that the title. Huh? No. Um. No. But, yeah. It, and and the thing is. The truth of the matter is, what I what I think what what I truly think, having not been in that room, and I will never know the truth. Really, I think the truth really is somewhere in the middle. I think everybody had a hand in it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I don't like, think it was one person's idea in the room. I think everybody was kind of probably thinking it. It's see now that's except old, for Vince Russo. I <clears throat> here here's the interesting thing is yes. that I I think. Be, uh, taking it 
where I will get to in a minute, right? But taking it as a shoot. Okay. The idea that to actually swerve somebody is a super carny fucking idea. Yeah. Okay. Oh, huh? yeah. Full yeah. On. And Vince McMahon is one of those people that is simultaneously the least carny and most, <laughs> most carny, carny person yeah. ever. Yeah. So the carny buck stops there. So it, ultimately, regardless of the, the uh, Vince telling Sean that he have no, no uh, pretend to have no knowledge of it, mm-hmm. and to tell Sh- to Triple H that he's he's got to deal with it, and everyone else that didn't know or knew and didn't know, it ultimately stop with Vince. It was Vince's decision to pull the trigger. So regardless of whose specific idea it was, excuse me, nobody flies it without Vince McMahon's approval. Oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah. So ultimately. Cornette can claim responsibility. Russo can claim responsibility. Triple H, Shawn Michaels, anyone can claim responsibility. The Ultimate Warrior can claim responsibility. <laughs> right? Okay. Savio Vega. Which, you know what? Honestly, legit. If Savio Vega's like, I'm going to shoot on him. Then you know what? Eight, Sweet. Eight, eight, maybe you ain't going to stop him. You ain't going to stop Savio. I can believe that he would yeah, try. <laughs> absolutely. Right? Uh, it ultimately should come to Vince McMahon's responsibility. So whose idea it was falls into? It was Vince's decision. I do. agree. And I lean... I lean towards Cornette. And the only reason I lean towards Cornette is because out of all the people who could have possibly been in the room at that time... Who's smart enough. Who would have enough experience, enough knowledge in wrestling, you know, past, like real distant past, and current, and have the nerve, having no skin in the game, Mm -hmm. to just suggest it would be him. Everybody else has a horse to has, bet on. Here's here's the thing, except for Jim. The, well, yes. Well, let me let me add into something. Let me give you mine. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I I have an idea on whose idea it was. Dude, was it Stephanie? No. Okay. No. No. But this is one of those things because it would it, if this was a shoot, being that we're treating this as a shoot. Mm-hmm. For it to be somebody's idea. Yeah. And then them not want it to be their idea. Is, Don't say The Undertaker. No. Okay. It it has been said by Bret Hart that the first person to suggest that Shawn Michaels put him in the sharpshooter and reverse it. Pat? Is Pat Patterson. But I don't think Pat did it with Pat any... Pat too, had no, too much love no, for No, no, that's what I'm saying. It wasn't his idea for them to screw them. Because Brett... Uh, excuse me, I'm sorry. Pat is regarded... And in this room, we said, we got love for Pat Patterson. Oh, like goes, what, listen, what, uh, listen, whoever the fuck you are, you respect Pat Patterson yes. what he has done. He's given you no. better finishes than you will ever know in your lifetime. If you, if you think we love Dusty Rhodes, we love respect. Pat Patterson that much more, okay? To be honest, yes. Yes. So uh, I don't it, I don't think it was Pat's decision to that be the moment in screwing, but Pat's love of unbelievably amazing finishes got in the way, and he happened to accidentally, being the brilliant mind that he is, serve this up to somebody on a silver platter. Mm, mm, right mm, and you 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 didn't just put kennedy in the car you gave them the books suppository not suppository (laughs) depository (laughs) or the books i don't know what you do with books in texas i don't you know okay well okay whatever that is we'll go with it sure regardless yeah but but you gave them all of that shit and years after the fact pat 
you know, probably realized. But what, what it, I'm, I'm sure not years after the fact, moments after the fact. Mm-hmm. But Pat, it was Pat's finish apparently, and yeah. somebody said that. That's our moment. Do it's. I can't believe that if it's a shoot that Pat did that on purpose, right? But think about anyone who had the the brains to put Shawn Michaels or Bret Hart uh, to have that finish be the thing, right? And anyone in that position, is there anyone? It's Pat Patterson or Bret Hart or maybe Cornette to have the idea of someone put someone in someone else's finish. I mean, it was it was Pat, right? So. Yeah. Did did he facilitate it? Maybe. Yeah, I'll go with it. Yeah. I think that's fair because he was a Finnish guy, and the best He's in the, the business. Finnish guy, yeah. And and I, I as I understand it, he, it was his idea for the finish, right? Yes. So did he hand it over a silver platter? Maybe. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. He did. If that's if everything's to be believed, yes. As, he did. as I said, he handed it up and was not in a position to stop it. I. But I do believe. I do believe that it was. I think every like you said, everybody likes to claim like, oh, it was my idea. Well, you know. I think in the room or over the course of the day A lot can a happen. couple people, I feel like more than one person had the idea. Oh, once once you realize what's what someone's like, well, I need I I'm an I'm an impasse with fit with Brett and Sean. Well, what's the finish? And someone says, Brett puts Sean in the sharpshooter. Uh Sean puts Brett in the sharpshooter, Brett reverses the sharpshooter, and then we have a schmoz, but I can't have that. And it's like, well, yeah, that is like legitimately the worst Vince McMahon I've ever heard. Oh no, I'm not trying to because that I'm... was like that was low. Effort. God damn it, pal! <laughs> there it is. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, yeah. But um, that's such good shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think that. Uh, I think I I truly believe that multiple people had the same idea, in general, mm-hmm. and I think those multiple people are being honest and saying, oh yeah, it was my idea because you probably had the same thought. If we were in the same position, realistically, and we're going to go, I'm trying not to go too far yet, but I mean, if I'm Vince, brother, yo, you're not leaving with the title, man. Like you're just, you're just not. If that's where my mindset is, you're not leaving. And so either A, we take it off you. Sean ain't taking it off. He's not forcing Brett to the mat. That Mm-mm. shit ain't happening. Yo, if if on live on pay-per-view, Shawn Michaels tried to force Bret Hart down for three seconds, it wouldn't happen. Bret Hart would have broken his fucking arm. Yes. Or a leg, or maybe um, his fucking clavicle neck. or something. He'd have, yeah. he'd, have, he'd have hurt him bad. And and, and the, the story goes that people, uh, maybe Pat? No, not Pat. Oh, fuck. Um, Briscoe was teaching Shawn holds just in case. Things, go, things went haywire. Mm-hmm. You know, what a time! What a and, wild and you know West what? Time. It wouldn't have mattered. <laughs> Brett still would have stretched his ass. Well, regardless of whose idea it was, right, 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 it happened, right? It happened. Well, let's talk about for a minute the yeah. aftermath. Um. So yeah. I I have a couple of notes here. Okay. That I just want to say, and then you oh, we're gonna you're gonna tell me so. Not we're not going to talk about the night after Survivor Series. We're not going to even talk about yeah, Sean. Not, it's not worth talking about that. No, no. We're not going to talk about Sean promising Brett that he had nothing to do with it. No. And and then you know he comes out with a little person and all of that yeah, other yeah. stuff. 
And we're not even going to talk about Brett's move to WCW right away. But Brett does go to WCW. Yeah, for a lot of money, by the way. For a lot of money. More money than I will ever see. Yes. And uh, the Monday Night Wars don't just keep going. They get hotter mm-hmm. because of this. Mm-hmm. But I think the real huge thing to take away from this is because Montreal happened and everyone live all over the world sees Bret Hart spit in Vince McMahon's face and sees what they know happened happened. Right. Vince McMahon comes out and cuts out a, a cuts a in studio interview with Jim Ross in which he <laughs> says the basic idea that Bret screwed Vince didn't screw Bret. Bret screwed Bret. Bret yeah. screwed Bret. Right. And immediately creates unwittingly at first the Mr. McMahon character. Yeah. The, now, the, the 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 seeds of the shove months earlier now becomes a a sprout. A full on plant. You know who waters it? Yeah. Well we all know Steve Austin waters. Steve Austin waters that. For sure. And I I just to kind of add in there, just to go back even further, just a slight inside baseball. Yeah. That Vince, when if you watch that interview when he's like, I don't believe that <laughs> and he's and he's very he's very steroid trial Vince mm-hmm. in this interview. Which is really the the most cliche thing to show up when you're federally indicted in a neck brace, right? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. like Jesus Christ, Vince, right? And now here he is being that character, and all of a sudden, now we're before you know it, before you can even care what's happening, Steve Austin is back, and it's the Royal Rumble, and and Vince McMahon, and now Vince McMahon, Mister McMahon, almost he's not quite there, just. It doesn't he just wants to keep the ship on course, mm-hmm. and so he just wants to have anything else happen except for a stone cold one. And now we're off to the races, and then the McMahon Austin thing happens from after Survivor Series, and the Attitude Era heats up, and WWF beats WCW in the ratings and never comes back. And wrestling has never been hotter. That's really unfortunate, uh, precisely. Because of this. Now, let me add into another thing. Bret mm-hmm. Hart goes to WCW as per his contract. Right. Jim the Anvil Neidhart goes to WCW. Doesn't last very long. No. The British Bulldog goes to WCW. He doesn't last very long. Slightly either. longer. Yeah. But does not last very long. Right. Owen Hart stays. Yeah, yeah he stays. He does not. He, he stays w- He stays for more money. Mm-hmm. Which is a separate conversation for a separate time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, WCW... Uh, bungles Bret Hart. Oh, so hard. So hard. The hardest any wrestling organization has ever let uh, something like that drop. You ever. take, like, really one of the hottest wrestlers, like, just from, from Montreal. I mean, everybody. If you could not fan, be hard, hotter than Bret Hart in November, December of 1997. If you're a wrestling fan, you knew about... Montreal, Every, yeah, and you wanted to know what Brett was gonna do. What did he fucking do? He refereed a goddamn match of Stark. He refereed a botched finish. Ugh. Yep. So that happened. That is, that is a Bret Hart. Uh, WCW fucking up Bret Hart, which we should actually just call it that. WCW fucked it, up. Bret they didn't. Hart. They didn't bungle it. They fucked it. They straight fucked it up. It is. It is the. It is a. It is a lackluster end to what could have been an amazing legacy. Part of me thinks, yeah. Part of me thinks, knowing that history isn't 
is uh, doesn't work this way as my brain, right? Mm-hmm. I love the Rocky movies. I don't count Rocky Five as a movie. I count I call it Rocky the movie. V. What? Yeah, right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. It goes from Rocky Four, the greatest sports movie of all time, to Rocky Balboa when he's an old man. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Part of me likes to think that that night in Montreal. Bret Hart rode off into the sunset, never to really worry retired. about anything again, <laughs> and to do his thing. Um, I wish that were the case. <laughs> we all do. We all do. Now, now the other two things is that not only did Mon- the legacy of Montreal is not just the Attitude Era being full on spurred. Yeah, it vilifies Shawn Michaels to the point where he is now officially the heel. That oh he- man. Yeah, like the heel, and yeah. it would take Je- literally, it would take Jesus Christ to make him a baby face again. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Sweet baby Jesus, ten pounds, three ounces, would heal Shawn Michaels from being the H E A L from being the H E E L that he was going in. Like how he did that? You like that? Yeah, right. Yeah, double entendre, bitch. Fuck you. <laughs> but he, but to be the heel, he would be the heel that would be the the, the platform that Steve Austin would be able to, to jump off of. Right, right. That being said, not not only that, right? Yeah. But Montreal in a microclasm, uh, as a finish, as mm. an idea, yes. would be parroted many times over the years, right? Notably, one year later, one year later at Survivor <laughs> Series, yeah, night, to give The Rock his first WWF Using championship, the, damn sharp the sharpshooter and a McMahon calls for the belt. Also noticeably, and this is the only time I'll ever mention this, Starcade 99, Bret Hart versus Goldberg mm, yeah. in the match that would end Bret Hart. How fucking ironic is this? That in the match that would end Bret Hart's career, the finish is a parrot of the match that essentially ended Bret Hart's career. Bro, dude, I, I sometimes look back. Sometimes like YouTube recommendations like, hey, check out this Bret Hart match from WCW. And I go, why the fuck are you suggesting why, this? Why? Why? Why would I want to do that? I'd and rather I, pat myself I, in a dick. And you, you know what? I've, I've gotten to the point now when I watch these matches, and I've watched enough Bret Hart matches in my life. I've watched a lot of Bret Hart matches yeah. in my life. I can I can confidently say I've watched more Bret Hart matches than I've watched any other wrestlers. One thousand percent ever. Easy, yeah. With that being said, dude, you can see he doesn't give a shit. No, he's checked out. He looks bored. Bret, uh, yeah, and it's specifically it's the way he sells because you see Bret in, in not not even ninety seven, right? Let's say ninety four. Right, mm-hmm. Brett ninety four is still selling like whoever the fuck it is. It could be Mike Bell, right? <laughs> dropping in there. Shout out to Mike Bell. I love you, Mike. Oh, Mike Bell dropping kicks or Barry Horowitz Ooh. on Brett, and Brett sound uh, selling it. Dude, I don't, I don't even. Why, why did? Where did you even get him his name I, from? Dude, dude, there is a there's a lexicon of WWF job guys. That I know, there. but like Mike Bell came out. I could out. tell you the last time I even heard that man's name. I think I've legitimately recently seen Bret Hart or Mike Bell. You, you probably did. It was probably fucking superstar. It was incredible, <laughs> probably. But I mean, every time they drop a knee uh, into his back, he sells it like, oh my god, a bulldozer look, came up, and Brett. then. You're in there with Scott Steiner, who's just a mountain of... He's like muscles with a face. Right? His, his muscles have veins, and his veins have muscles. And Bre- <laughs> and when Brett goes to sell, Brett's like, eh. 
Look, that's Brett and WCW. Look, I, this is uh, okay. If, if if I don't want this to be a love letter to Bret Hart's career necessarily, hmm. but it really no, is. Two hours too late for that. Yeah, but look, I watched my earliest memories of professional wrestling. My actually my earliest memories of life that I remember like anything media related. This is how early. Honky Tonk Man and the Heart Foundation attacking Macho, Macho Man. Man. Saturday Night's Main Event, 1988. That's how far yeah. back I remember wrestling. Yes. Like I, and the funny thing is, I thought I made that up until I was probably like 19 years old. Till I saw like a clip of it, and I went, "Oh, that actually happened." Yep. I didn't know that actually happened. I thought it was just like a, you know. Like how you cool is that that we have that standard staple memory in our of that moment? Yeah, because and it's wild because you were even younger than me when you saw yes. that. Well, my my literally my first memories of wrestling. So yeah. I, I have I between have the, yeah. my two first memories that I just the earliest I have are of that moment where they hit him with the the guitar, and of Han being frozen in carbonite. I remember those. Those are the two earliest. Damn, that's things badass memories, Doc. That oh, I have. Shit. That was literally huh. the, the and and actually uh, inside him insight into my head fans uh, like we have fans listeners better yet fan Rick <laughs> um, when I was little that memory scared me because when I saw it for the first time it scared it had to have scared me because mm. it's dark you know because that movie came out with like eighty what time what when did when did Empire Strikes Back come out. 83, uh, 80? No, no, because, no. 80? 80. It had to, because 80. uh, 83 was... Return. Jedi. Yeah. So, I wasn't even born yet when the movie came out, right? So, when I first saw... Because we have the original trilogy. My dad re- dubbed it. He read, rented the movies and dubbed it on one one cassette. God damn One dad, VHS. so badass. Yeah. I st- it's, still, it's, at, it's still at his house. Uh, or our house. I grew up in. But that memory was terrifying. Because when I was young, I didn't understand it, mm. right? Didn't get it. I didn't know what I was looking at. But I remember it being dark. I remember, like, 3PO. I remember Leia. But I remember Han. And, like, the, the, the steam. They didn't even ask me any questions. <laughs> I, I that, that line, like, sticks out to me. It's, like, it's one of the first things I remembered from that movie was, yeah. like, oof. But that that's, and, that's a heel. And, and, that's and, a heel. And seeing... Uh, Heart Foundation and Honky Tonk attack Macho. When I was a kid, my Aunt Denise, uh, shout out to Aunt Nisi, uh, hey. and, and my Aunt Debbie, rest in peace, would babysit me. And they were big wrestling fans. Especially my Aunt Debbie. She was a big wrestling fan. That's big. Badass. And it was her. her. She would babysit me, I guess, on Saturdays, Saturday nights. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe on like date night for my parents, who knows. And... We probably watch wrestling and quick Saturday night's main event on man and and it I had to have been very obviously I was very young eighty you know eighty eight I was pretty young, um, but my point is, is that I've watched a lot of wrestling, yes, and I'm a huge Bret Hart fan, and in all the wrestling I've watched in my life, Bret Hart matches are probably. No, I know, are the only matches that I would consistently watch growing up and going, was that a little real? Did he, did he, did he really mean that that time? Whether it was Brett taking, you know, bumping for a move or him, you know, performing a move, he made it feel real. 
And that is an ability so few have. No one has now. No, nobody does. And even then, it was a thing. No, uh, we didn't want this to be a love letter to Bret Hart. But I, you know what? Like, let me just let me just first of all say, goddamn, that I can still hear uh, the song that used to play over Saturday Night's Main Event that they showed that clip over, right? Like, I, 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 if I, I could hum it if mm-hmm. I didn't wasn't really self conscious about humming <laughs> after all these beers in this podcast. But mm-hmm. Brett, like, we could we could break all this stuff down about Brett Hart, but I just want to say one thing to just kind of emphasize with you here yeah 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 Bret Hart hit the goddamn corner like nobody ever has it now I'm not talking even about the, the front chest bump not even I'm talking about that chest bump no well that I'm was like a about, car crash yes that was and which was amazing like who the fuck thinks of that right Bret but Hart when, when yes when he would get whipped into the corner he would come out and crumple mm-hmm. like you shot him in the spine with a, a fucking trident like mm-hmm. and he would go down and that's why that's that old school shit. Yes. I, and I, I will put a bow on this. Please. There are a lot of people who talk shit on Bret Hart. Wrestlers. And Fuck shoot that. interviews. Fuck that. There is no There is no shortage of people who judge him for taking himself too seriously, which he did. He does. And uh, to his own detriment, God bless his heart, but he did. But mm-hmm. there are people who would... But, but should talk him, but you respect him. I recently uh, listened, watched uh, a Broken Skull Ranch episode with Kevin Nash. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you watched that one or not. Not yet. It's good. Seen clips. It's really I fun. Have, I haven't got there yet. It's really fun. I just you finished do, the Jericho one. So I love listening. I actually couldn't finish it. Oh, I was a little bored with it. I, it's weird. I thought I well, wouldn't. I mean, uh, we will go into my affinity for Jericho I, at another time. But right, obviously. I love listening to Kevin Nash. Not cut promos, but just talk. Oh, yeah. So... Kevin Nash is no shortage of a little bit of criticism for Bret Hart here and there. Yeah. But with Austin, who is admittedly a Bret Hart fan, Bret Hart, Stone Cold, I wouldn't say he's a mark for Bret Hart, but he's borderline. But, oh, but he's because, damn close. Because, yeah. because honestly, he gets it. Yeah. And Bret made him oh, hard. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And at what point, Stone, they were talking about Bret a little bit. I don't know why. There, something came about Bret and. Stone Cold talked about how he made him, blah, 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 like, made him. And Kevin, Kevin Nash, was like, Man, he made me too. He made me look like a million bucks when he didn't have to. Hmm. It's the fucking truth. Regardless of what you feel about Bret Hart, my, my man, when he wanted to make you look good, when he made a lot of people look good. Like you say, like getting shot into a turnbuckle. He made people look good who had no business looking good. Not saying about no. Kevin Nash, I mean, but like in general. He takes an Irish whip. I was watching uh, my brother Drew sent us uh, a clip of the Bret Hart versus Bob Backlund Superstars Bro, match. Wait, well, did you watch that Gene, Gene Oakland link I sent you? Oh yeah, amazing. How amazing funny shit. was that? Uh, so good. Okay, it's, sorry, Gene, go so good. But I mean, in this random Superstars match, Bob Backlund shoots Brett into the corner and Brett hits it like somebody literally put a trident in his spine. And that's amazing. It, that's but, selling. But that, that, yeah. that's, that's, that, but Brett took his shit serious and putting, he took it and making serious. people, other people look like a million dollars. He wanted to make you believe it was real. Let's, let's put a bow on this. And I have three questions to All ask right. you. What are these three questions? And this is, this is something, here we go. Number one, 
knowing what we know about history, yeah, as it follows the Montreal screw job, mm-hmm. did the Montreal screw job have to happen? No, 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 no. There's so many variables that, okay, better yet, to answer your question, with everything happening the way it did, did it have to happen? No, it really didn't. Uh, on a on a business level, did it have to happen? Yeah, like really. Yeah, like you gotta watch. You gotta protect your brand, man. And I don't like that it happened, but you have to protect it. And Vince had no idea what was gonna happen. No, and you could, and you could. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Bischoff saying, "I had no no plans to use the WWF championship." Yeah, well, you know, well, he, if, we if also Brett showed up with it. You know, also, we also know from seeing what happened, he had no plans on what to do with Brett anyway. So, but I mean, <laughs> yeah. but how would Vince have known that? How could Vince have trusted anybody about that? Right. Let me ask you number two. Okay. What, what uh, do you think? Oh, yeah. I, 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 from a business standpoint, it has to happen because without it, um, we get the number two. Right. Okay. Which is without it, does the boom, does, do, does WWF take the race? And does what history becomes happen without the Montreal screw job? Now we've we have painstakingly detailed all the changes that went through. But without Brett being screwed by Vince, Vince cutting that heel promo and being there as an outed authority figure, and Shawn Michaels being that detestable character, does does the Austin Royal Rumble win happen? Does WrestleMania 14 have the gravitas that it does? And does Austin McMahon have any weight at all? No. I don't so, believe so. So at all. from a business standpoint, it has to happen. And without Montreal happening, the attitude era doesn't happen. It was already happening, right? But I mean, the boom. We would have a different version of it. Yes. Because look, real talk, we just talked about how Bret Hart said bullshit and goddamn on national television, yeah. right? Like on, and on, cut on, a, it cut the teeth on it. Yeah. That. So it, it was coming. It would have been a different form with different stars in a different way because Bret Hart was a top star. Yeah. There was no room for Steve Austin, with all due respect to Steve Austin, to be number one when Bret Hart Mm -hmm. was right there as a, well, granted he was a heel then, but there was no room for that. There's no real room for that. Well, that makes sense. Now, the last question. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, Here we go. The question, the whole reason that we're talking about this in a certain way. Sure. Was Montreal work? No. Yeah. I look. Of course it was. It was not. It was absolutely work. Look, I know. And and the fuck, are you kidding me? I kid, I shit you not. I look, there are there are things that I will bullshit with you. I will I will make light of, but man, look, I will tell you what I think. Folks, this has been going back and forth between uh, Noah and I for a long time. Almost 20 years. And there was a period where he was kind of on the side of it was it was it was it was it was a shoot. And then I remember kind of the conversation we had where you gave me that speech about the long standing tradition of doing business, blah 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 blah. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, man, sure. You're not wrong. Because you weren't. Uh, and that you feel like it was justified. And I'm like, that's cool. You're not necessarily wrong either. I don't have to like it, but Mm -hmm. you're not wrong. No. But this is what I think. 
and I'll give you the floor in a moment. I think that Bret Hart was wrong. And I... Bret Hart took himself far too seriously. On on a on a, a purely emotional level, Shawn Michaels looks him in the eye and says, I won't do the, the, the same for you. After Bret says, I'll put you over, no problem, dude. Problems be damned. We, we're not getting along, but I will 100% do what needs to be done. And Sean says, hey, I'll shake your hand. Fuck you, I'm not going to do the same for you. <laughs> Dude, let me tell you something. You would have been in Bret Hart's shoes. You're like, well, fuck that guy. Oh, yeah, fuck that guy. Straight up, yeah. No human being with an ounce of fucking, like, pride, male or female, doesn't matter, would be like, I'm not fucking doing business with that piece of shit. He, that, You're right. He literally looked me in the eye and said, fuck you, buddy. While shaking my fucking hand. Yo, that's why I was getting punched in the fucking face. Yeah. So, okay. With that being said. Yeah. With that being said, Sean was 100% in the wrong for that. Yeah. You were talking about this long-standing tradition. Sean spat on that. Oh, yeah, for sure. 1,000%. Vince didn't give a shit. No. That's... Vince didn't give a shit about that. Because Brett was the champ. Brett had the leverage. Brett, on the other hand... They were both wrong. Everybody's wrong in this situation, by the oh, way. Oh, there's no, yeah, there's nobody. There's that's no good right. guy in yeah. this. Let's just put that out there right now. I don't believe that there's some sort of altruistic. No, no. Everybody's kind of wrong here. Yes. Some are more wrong than others, but everybody's wrong. So Brett, <laughs> talking about look, I get it. Like I get where his head's at. I would probably be in the same headspace too after all that shit that had gone down. Him making the Sunny Day statement on live television. Oh, listen, we haven't even talked about that. We and I was thinking we glossed over that. That's yeah, that happened. There's a whole, there's there's a whole there's bunch a of shit. lot of other things that went on between the two of them. Yeah, that we're not touching on. That was Folks, added. Fucking read the Wikipedia. We don't got time for this. Yeah. Keep going. So, yeah. <laughs> um, with that all being said, you know, Brett. For as right as he was about that, like, you know, well, fuck that guy sort of mentality. Yeah. I get it. And I don't think he's wrong necessarily for that. It's the arrogance. It's the, well, I want to go out with my head held high. Listen, he put in an interview with uh, Off the Record where he talks yeah. about how he felt like. Michael Lansberg. Yeah. He felt like he needed to go out. With his head held high. Motherfucker, Bret Hart, look, I got nothing but love and respect. But brother, fucking, but it doesn't matter how you do it, leave the fucking belt in Montreal. Like, it's not about you. No. And it's not about your legacy because you're going to go to WCW and make a lot of fucking money. No, and you you do it right and you come back and you make more money when you come back. Yeah, but, 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 Sean spat on him. Willingly, said, "Nah, dude, I'm not gonna do the. I'm not gonna do business for you. I won't do it." And I, again, no one's right, but Brett was wrong. Vince, on the other end, the other spectrum here. With all due respect to Vince McMahon, who I will never know, and I don't even know this. I don't. I don't know anything about him really. Really, no one knows anything really about him. But what people say, <laughs> he likes shoulder pads. He he doesn't sleep much. That's what the fuck I hear about him. Right. Dude could have done better, a better job. Yeah. He could have been like, Sean, when 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 Brett went to Vince and said, this is what Sean said about, I won't do business for you. 
if Vince had nipped that shit in the bud early, I bet it would have gone totally different. Oh, yeah. But Vince pussed out because he loves Shawn Michaels. And he, he didn't does. want to lose a smile again. And Vince, Vin, look, no one will ever admit that. But Vince, Vince knew that Shawn Michaels is a kid gloves type of guy. You have to handle him with kid gloves. And he didn't want to ruin a good thing. That's what I truly believe. And he said, well, I don't, I don't you know, I don't know what you're talking about, basically, you know. But at the end of the day, in the end of the day, when it all, when it all comes down, I think that it really was a real series of situations that happened with people with way too big egos, way too insecure, and it went bad. I don't think it was a work. I I don't think it was like, let's just play it all. No, no, no. Now, now wait a minute. Wait a minute. Now that's that's where I'm gonna pounce on you here for a second. Just just to kind of give my two cents on this. Mm-hmm. Because we have outlined over the last almost three hours. Yeah. All the circumstances of what wrestling was like at the time. Yeah. This guy doesn't like this guy. This is the storyline going on. And these are a bunch of fucking carnies here. Right. And keep in mind that this is something else we glossed over is that there was a time where Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart were best friends and they decided... Uh, They were good friends, not best friends. They were great friends. Great friends. But they decided to faux heat between the two of them to oh, feed they, yeah. some animosity that eventually works itself into a shoot. Now, and they work themselves into a shoot. Working yourselves into a shoot is a real thing that happens in wrestling all the time yeah. where you, you play something but then real feelings get mixed in and then we're here we are. So all of this could... Ha- now, I just want to give you two hands and this, this is where I look at it. Okay. On one hand is a series of falling dominoes on top of each other where... Bret Hart does the business for Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels is the champion. It's not going great. Bret Hart takes six months off. Decides to negotiate a contract with WCW as promised the world. Brings back. Makes Steve Austin on his way to Shawn Michaels rematch. Shawn Michaels loses his smile. Doesn't want to do business for Bret Hart. Bret Hart gets the belt. Loses the belt. Turns heel. Becomes the USA Canada. Shawn Michaels regains his smile on his thing. On the way to this collision course, Bret Hart gets... Vince can't pay his contract. Brett can't. Uh, Brett doesn't want to do business. Sean wants to wants to wrestle, but will go over X Y Z one thousand different things that all have to happen for real life to be this exact way. Or Brett and Sean work themselves into a shoot. Vince is constantly putting together the best he can with everything until they realize that he fi- simply does not have the financial ability to pay Brett Hart what Brett Hart wants. And sign new talent for the money he's going to have to sign them to compete with WCW. Including Mike Tyson, who's two months away from coming in for an unknown amount of payday. And so, they work something out. Let's do business this way. Let's leave on the ultimate worked shoot. We just did, six months ago at WrestleMania, the greatest double turn in history. Now, keep in mind... They did not put that match on last. Not because that match wasn't for the title, but the whole reason they didn't put the title on that match because they weren't sure it was going to work. And they didn't want the WWF title match to be in a botched double turn in the main event of WrestleMania. But it worked. So Vince has no reason to think that this isn't going to work again. And everything he can. 
And so they decide a work shoot that will lead into the greatest money. Finn, Brett, you go, you do your three, four years at WCW. If WCW is even around, pal, fuck you. Right? And he goes out there uh-huh. and they do their shit. And then when you come back, I'll be here. And Shawn Michaels will be here. And the WWE will be here. And I'll and I'll be here for you to feud with. I'm not going anywhere. Even if Sean decides to lose his smile again, I'm not fucking going anywhere. And you can always come back and do bigger business than we ever thought. And guess who else is going to be here? Steve Austin, who I'm going to put the fucking rocket strap on and send him to the moon. A million things. All we got to do is make every single person that's not in this little tiny circle believe that what happens out there is fucking real. Because here's the thing, and 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 this is the the key factor for me personally. I'd like to hear this because if it had gone out there and had been hokey, and everyone's like, I don't know about that. No one would have bought it. But it felt, it was fucking real. Okay. So who's to say that it didn't? They didn't pull it off. This is the man who six months earlier pulled off the greatest double turn in wrestling history. This is the person who is single-handedly, Vince McMahon being this this one here, who is in the middle of pulling a company out of a downward spiral, who a year from now will be printing cash based off the backs of this. It came off real because it was designed to be real. Okay. Yeah. And and a and a business that tries to make things real all the time and fails ultimately. Here's something that's real. Now, was it real because it was real, or is it real because they wanted it to be real? And what's the difference? Because if everyone believed in what they were doing at the time, why didn't it come off real? And the only reason we don't know it is a work today, is because of what happened and how everything fell apart when people weren't around to keep track. We'll never know. No. And listen, you The make... last person of those three alive might tell us. And, and, and honestly, like, you know, I'm with you on what you're saying, and I'm not saying that you're necessarily wrong. Because, you're, you, like I said, you're valid in your opinions. Um, we'll never know. But I do strongly believe that this is, in fact, a series of awful events between people who could not separate you know, fact from fiction, who could not separate what was really happening versus what they were performing. If it's real, then, then man, life is stranger than fiction. I truly believe that it is. Ah, well, dear singular listener, Thank you again. You've made it to the end of our rant and raving and our history of the Montreal screw job. We eventually made it there, right? Uh, to the end. Fun fact. Uh, at the beginning of this podcast, before we started recording, I said to Mr. Brown here, jokingly, but I was dead serious at the same time. <laughs> Dude, I, you know, man, I don't really know how this is going to go. Like, this subject, I feel like we're only going to be like maybe an hour, maybe an hour and some change. Well, three hours later. Yes. I was wrong. So much to the point where I'm sure as you've listened to this, you're like, wait a minute. This is two things. Well, you know what? We didn't intend to, but as we're wrapping it up here at the end, I'm pretty sure this is going to end up being two podcasts. So God bless you for making it through, dude. Yeah. You know, If it's only just you and I listening back to hear us babble, uh, 
Thanks, Thank Dave. You. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> appreciate it, Mac. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Yeah. Fuck you. But I say Jesus that lovingly. Sorry. Um, well, I mean, hey, that wraps up our interpretation of the Montreal screw job, right? Yeah. Was it a work? Was it the most important wrestling moment in history? Regardless, it was. All of the, absolutely was, and all of the the fun facts in there. Bret Hart is amazing, as mm-hmm. what we always say. But what else is going to be amazing is our next couple of podcasts. Yeah, yeah. As we next tackle coming up here on nothing good. Nintendo sixty four. The Nintendo sixty four. Uh, more specifically. Not like one particular game or just the console in general. Oh, man. No. We're, we're going through an t- era. Yeah, we're going to really look at like our favorites, uh, underrated, overrated, or w- the worst that we've played. And this isn't like some, uh, as always, this is just our opinion, what we feel, our experiences. We didn't, I know I played a lot of Nintendo 64 games, but I didn't play them all. Nope. But I played enough. And I was a I was an N sixty four fanboy. I no no shame. Nope, same. Uh, so I feel really confident that we can cover you know some some games that maybe you've heard of, some maybe some you haven't heard of. And I'm looking really forward to digging into some of my favorites that maybe no has never played before. I so feel it's like gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we 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 both love the sixty four and the era that represents it ties in real close to what we talked about today. Uh, and then after that. Uh, mm-hmm. kind of almost in a, in a completely different mindset. It could be more opposite. It could not be more opposite. <laughs> We're going to talk about Eminem. Yeah, yeah. Rapper. Marshall Mathers. And just don't think about, we're not just going to talk about Marshall Mathers and, and, and what the music is and how we first discovered it and how we feel about it then and now and how we may feel about it later. But I think it actually is probably going to serve as a, a bit of a, a introductory conversation for both of us on hip-hop. And it's a chance for us to talk about all things hip hop and rap related. Because yeah, I feel we, you know, had very different experiences. It may be in some ways, and maybe some similar in others. You know, we, yeah. you know, we grew up very differently. I think, uh, just and just where we grew up in in the city we grew up in here in Pittsburgh, and and I think uh, it'll be an interesting conversation. It will be. It's interesting because here at the Screw Job, we took. From end of 97. And now uh, the Nintendo 64 is going to take us from 98 into 99 and 2000 in that era. And then Eminem will take us from 2000. Well, previous to that, but Eminem himself kicks off in the early 2000s. So we're really kind of running the gambit of Mm -hmm. our formative years here. Oh, absolutely. But we appreciate everyone hanging around. Yeah, seriously. Um, You know, and and, and I want to just real quick, I want to say, you know, with... You know, three hours and, and change on you know all together with what we're what we did with this this episode. Um, I really want to just say I appreciate you know how much you steered the ship on this because uh, you kept it. <laughs> I mean, realistically, like you, I I feel very strongly about the Montreal screw job uh, and all the different parts that are included in it. But I am not nearly as well-versed on a lot of things that you are. And you really kind of reminded me a lot of things that I hadn't even thought about. That I totally forgot even happened. And I just, I appreciate that. So, you know, it was an excellent job, man. Well, thank you, Doc. I appreciate that. And you yeah, grounded sure. me by reminding me that at the end of the day, this is a love story between Bret Hart and us. <laughs> Might you as know. well be. Yeah, why not, right? A seedy hotel room in Buffalo, New York. And this is not shitting on Shawn Michaels. And yeah. That's a separate episode. 
But speaking of separate episodes, we will see you guys on the next episode. Yes, yes. Uh, Take care. Be good to each other. Yes. Uh, I don't want to end it on a tagline. We tried that last time. What the hell was the tagline last time? I know. I said it's been real and it's been good, but it ain't been real good. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. It's been nothing good. It's been nothing good. Uh, I don't know about you. All right. Well, on that note, let me just say... Fuck off. I was going to say go fuck yourselves, but never fuck mind. Fuck you. Uh, you're good people, so thanks for tuning you in. I, I look people. forward to uh, entertaining you guys next time. All right, we'll see you next time. Nintendo 64, thanks for checking us out. All right, later. Nothing good. <laughs>